Hey, Sarah. Hey, what? I want to watch a Thanksgiving romantic comedy. When you go home, do you look around and wonder, who are these people? Where did I even come from? I mean, you look at them all sitting there, you know, they look familiar, but who the hell are they? Well, hello there. Hello. Welcome to romanticcomedycommentary.com, or as Sarah calls it. Romcomcom.com. And this week we're getting a late start on our holiday extravaganza. Mm -hmm. uh, and we are watching a Thanksgiving romantic comedy? Question mark. Question mark. Called <laughs> Home for the Holidays, directed by one Miss Jodie Foster. Foster. Uh, it's uh, 1995. Did, did you look at the ratings of this at all? Yeah. Okay. It's 6.6 .6 on IMDb, 63% on Rotten Tomatoes, and then Google lists something called Common Sense Media that gave it a 5 out of 5, and I kind of wonder what that's about or what Common Sense Media is. Hmm. I'm not going to really dig too deep. I'm assuming it's something to do with parenting, because there's a lot of stuff popping up for that. Oh, you know, I think that you're right. But I can't, Maybe? But I can't see how this movie would be suggested by a parental... Parental website in any way, shape, or form, but that's neither here nor there. I don't know. What do you want to dive into first or do first? Jodie or... Foster, mm. as a director, mm. fresh off the heels of her very successful, well, not fresh off the heels, four years after <laughs> her very <laughs> successful movie, Little Man Tate. She's got canned heat on her heels. Yes. She then directed this movie, which I thought was interesting. And uh, then she directed. One episode of House of Cards, one up, two episodes of Orange is the New Black, and an episode of Black Mirror. Hmm. Like, man. Yeah. She's doing some crazy stuff. She did a really good mm. director's commentary for this one that I would really suggest to anybody that e either likes this movie or is mm. confused by what this movie is to watch it because the one thing that really, or to listen to it, because the one thing that really comes across in it is that as she was making it, it was evolving each and every day as really? to what she decided to kind of concentrate on and what she hmm. perceived the script to be when she read it ended up being different than what she perceived it to be when they began filming and, you know, Robert Downey Jr. started putting his spin on things and just hmm. what, what really creeped out. Because she did say uh, in the director's comedy that it kind of started out more as a romantic comedy or more heavily about the romance in it. And then she realized that it was really more about the family and what that means and how it kind of shifted as they were filming it to be more heavily in that direction. So I, Ooh, in, in regards to us, I think that that's a very important uh, yeah. an element to be aware of. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, it was written, apparently it was a short story by Chris Redond. And then the screenplay was by W.D. Richter, who has done a ton of stuff. He did... Invasion of the Body Snatchers back in 1978. He's done Big Trouble in Little China. Um, <clears throat> something called Stealth, which Jodie Foster was also involved oh, in. Oh, that's the one where they make a like a drone thing that flies itself. Oh. Yeah. And uh, God, wasn't it like Jamie Foxx or someone in it? Okay. Either way, know. it was terrible and not a romantic comedy. Oh. <laughs> uh, yes. Jamie Foxx and Jessica Biel. Ooh. And Josh Lucas from uh, Sweet Home Alabama. Hmm. So it and Sam Shepard. Wow. It's a good cast for a terrible movie. <clears throat> yeah. Right. 
Well, there you go. They should have had the plane fall in love with someone and then it would be up our alley. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, a good screenwriter and obviously a good director. And Robert Downey Jr. in his heroin heyday, he publicly admitted to doing heroin while filming this movie. Really? Mm -hmm. Could you not see it? I'm I'm going to be really honest with you. He I, was all over the place. Yeah, but I thought that was what the character was supposed to be. No, apparently that was him. And he he did a ton of improvising and they just kind of let him go. She oh, heaped praises upon him. He's yeah. one of the most brilliant people ever. Uh, but she would say that he had this this unique way of doing his improv where he will go off on a tangent and each take will be completely different, that tangent, but he will always bring it back to the point where his huh. the person he's acting against, their line will still fit. So huh. they don't necessarily do as much improv as he's doing improv within his little space and then wraps it back around huh. so that even if they're not necessarily a good, this is how I took it, then if they're not necessarily a good improv actor but they may be a good actor, mm-hmm. it can still fit because they're getting served right. the same pie necessarily to, huh. to uh, eat or respond to. I'm sure the heroin helped with that. <laughs> I assumed that it was Robert Downey in that, that phase of his life. Little yeah. young, chubby Robert Downey Jr. He was so cute. Do you want to give just a really tight summary of this though in case someone sure. hasn't watched it? Just, I mean, So Jodie Foster is an art restorer with her teenage daughter in not, Chicago. She flies not, you said Jodie Foster. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> they sound the same. Sorry. I think they have the same cadence when they talk. Yeah. And they, they really have do. that Southern yeah. thing. Holly Hunter yeah. is an art restorer in Chicago with her teenage daughter played by Claire Danes. She decides to stay home with her boyfriend and Holly Hunter goes, flies home to see her family at Thanksgiving and... Her brother comes into town unexpectedly. Her sister already lives there. They have a ridiculous Thanksgiving. Her brother brings his friend with him, who's really cute, played by Dylan McDermott. And they mostly just fight with each other. And there's some sadness and some hilarity. And then she and... uh, Dylan McDermott try to hook up, but then she's afraid of getting hurt and he lives so far away. She takes a plane home and he shows up on the airplane. And then there's a series of memories from her family and when she was little that ends the movie on this kind of nostalgic note. I don't want you to answer if it's a romantic comedy yet. We'll get into that. Did you like it, though? I did, but it also kind of depressed me. Okay, good. We're in the same headspace on yeah. this. I like, like it. Got it had a lot of truth in there, which was kind of sad. I'm really <laughs> excited to hear you tell me what this movie is about because I'm sure what I got out of it is entirely different and incorrect. Hmm. But I did like. I mean, the dialogue was really good and snappy. Yeah. The the chemistry between I think everybody in the movie was really good. I don't yeah. think anyone stood out in in a uh, in a bad way. Yeah, like they didn't. Everyone fit their roles really well. I laughed during it. I mm-hmm. thought it was funny, but like you said, there's a lot in it that like it makes you feel uncomfortable. But in that. It, you relate to it true. a lot yeah. even if it's not your family exactly because like you know robert downey jr plays a, a gay man that maybe the family is never really addressed mm-hmm. at, at large everyone's aware of it but yeah it, like that sound type like of, he's like officially come out to them yeah or um, and they don't seem very accepting of him yeah just stuff like that that it's it even if you that isn't your world like 
there's still a lot of truth that they do say that you can plunk into other pieces of your life. But mm-hmm. and so I liked it too. Okay, at least yeah. we're both starting there that we liked this as a yeah. movie mm-hmm. to some I extent. Liked it. So where do you think that her family lives? Because she had to take a plane there. And I don't think, and she was <laughs> taking a plane from Chicago. So I don't think oh, that it was. Wasn't it Baltimore? Was it? I took it to be. I think I it might it have been. East. I think it might have been like Baltimore. Okay. If it if it wasn't Baltimore, then Jodie Foster it said that they filmed in Baltimore. Oh, huh. Well, I no, I'm just saying it. Le- no, I think in the director's commentary, she mentioned something about. Hmm. It feels like East Coast old, you know, colonial yeah. era. Now sad. Okay, the one thing that I could never really wrap my head around in this movie is the family is like way super comfortable with sex except when it comes to robert downey jr they're comfortable with sex. well i mean because the daughter the uh um holly hunter's daughter flat out says during the beginning like oh yeah i'm going to my boyfriend's i'm gonna be having sex with him." well she told her to i get the feeling that you know it's just the two of them so they have a very close relationship Mm -hmm. and it seems like there's no lies between them mm-hmm. but i didn't get the feeling well that maybe not no sex her parents maybe not no sex but like her, she's taking a shower and her mom's sitting on the bat yeah like on the, that's the, just lack of privacy it, well and then her mom just starts undressing in that one I scene know. that was like yeah really creepy which is just i feel like that's such a mom thing to be like you're home and i have you know i'm just gonna be in your world not only am i gonna invade your privacy but then i'm gonna take all my clothes off and make you even more uncomfortable. That's a mom. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, not necessarily my mom, I don't think would necessarily do that, but I feel like certain moms of that age, it's like, mm-hmm. who cares? I raised you. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to do what I do. Okay. I, I just took that as it being, I guess them all being open about certain things and then really closed off for other again this is where i want to get i want to see what you well kinda got yeah out of and film. i think that's the whole thing about family is navigating those the minefield of, <laughs> of family mm-hmm. <laughs> and i feel like it's kind of like bodies like your body i'm not you know worried about your body i have a body who cares i'm gonna sit here while you shower and talk to you through the open curtain and leave the door wide open because there's no such thing as privacy in this family, you know. I, I felt it was more of like a no no privacy and no real respect for her as an adult, maybe. Oh, okay. Now I can see that. The respect isn't a... Yeah, not seeing her as an adult because of that Because you of... would probably, like, I change in front of my one-year-old all the time, obviously. Like, you you would do that if mm-hmm. you didn't see your kid as like a fully mature adult human. You know? Yeah. I no, that know. makes, no, no, I get what you're saying. I, again, not as good at interpreting things as you necessarily are. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I do have in my notes here though, that when you said that they're <clears throat> not all open about uh, sex and whatnot, but the dad is unabashedly horny for this mom yeah, throughout the movie. So is. I am going to go back to my, they are, they are kind of oddly open about certain aspects of sex because yeah. he makes it very clear. Like he is banging this mom. Uh, 
I mean, in the way that then they dance together and how mm. he'll come up and, you know, gooser and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it, I didn't know what to make of it. And maybe that's why it, the movie felt so real is because it was kind of a hodgepodge of things that mm-hmm. like most families are. Of like weird things. Yeah. Like thing, not everything in any family fully makes sense unless you're in it. And maybe right. that's why this felt right was because hmm. it also was just kind of a hodgepodge that worked. But, yeah. yeah. We haven't even talked about Holly Hunter's mom. Claudia's mom is... And Bancroft, who plays Mrs. Robinson oh, yeah. in The Graduate. Yeah. I mean, like, the mom. Yeah. That's awesome. She's great. She is. She's, She's such really, a really great good. actress. And I think she was nominated or won an Oscar for uh, The Miracle Worker. She plays Ann Sullivan, the nurse to Helen Keller. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love in this movie that they have her with this horrible white, frizzy stringy hair and then she always wears wigs Mm -hmm. it's so funny and then her dad claudia's dad was played by charles during who's been in like a million things he's a world war ii vet a dance instructor stage and screen actor and he was nominated for two oscars for to be or not to be and the best little whorehouse in texas hmm that's fun. He was a good dancer. Yeah, he, he danced was. quite a few times in this movie. And if movie. you look, when he started playing Puppy Love on uh, his little keyboard, mm-hmm. he was actually playing that. Really? Mm-hmm. He was good. Yeah. I like good. their, I like, they, they seem to have a really good, natural daddy yeah. daughter relationship. So I did think at one point this was going to go the route of a Thanksgiving romantic comedy. It it, th- it started that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It Even definitely back from in Chicago, yeah. it started out very rom commy. She gets fired. She kisses, kisses her, her boss. boss. Yeah, her daughter's talking about having sex with her boyfriend, and then she gets on a plane, and it's like, whoa, that you know, that felt light and rom. Yeah, rom commy. Mm-hmm. So well, and even when she's pulling away from the airport and she looks over to that cab and sees another guy that's in the exact yeah. same position, it, it had like all these normal rom-com these elements, trappings. Yeah. yeah. And then you get to you the get house home and it got almost a little, I mean, the, the movie happened just like real life happens when you come home and you get stuck in your parents' house, mm-hmm. you know, like we go to Brian's parents' house and then Brian and I realized we haven't left the house in two days and we're like, we're trapped in here we're all stuck together you know (laughs) and time just kind of is stuck and people come and go but you're still in the house (laughs) when we used to go to my grandparents for thanksgiving it's exactly what you're describing Mm -hmm. we would go to connecticut but it's like you know you would think of anything to get you out of the house like oh let's go to the mall let's go to xyz and Mm -hmm. somehow that trip to the mall once you got back had only taken 10 minutes and you get back and it's just like why is this all just great and it's not to say that you don't enjoy that time in some way Mm -hmm. shape or form but there is something so plotting and just just going just so Mm -hmm. drippingly slow that yeah i'm i'm very much with you on that yeah it has way more it's way more loose with the plot, I think, than most rom-coms are. Mm-hmm. And it revolves so much around the family. And I mean, I guess the meet-cute would be in the middle of the night, Robert Downey Jr. has these <laughs> night vision goggles and he's spying on his dad eating 
pumpkin pie out of the fridge the night before Thanksgiving. <laughs> and then they bust into the house and he basically assaults his sister. He jumps into her bed, pulls off the sheets, and then takes his camera and, and starts clicking up her shirt. Oh, yeah. He See, again, like on. they're really comfortable like, with some stuff. Are you the brother that she loves? Because she had left him this really you know, sad, pathetic voicemail earlier wishing, saying she wished he was coming, but she knew that he wasn't. And mm. then he kind of surprised her by showing up. And it seemed like they were super close. But then she, he like, I would kill my sister or if I had a brother, if they did that to me. Yeah. But they're like very good friends. And he spends a lot of the movie being a total a-hole when they go to somewhere and they're trying oh he's awful to her and she gets out of the car and then she tries to get back in he keeps pulling away yeah and just stuff like that it's like i get it it's brother stuff but are you guys also supposed to be really close i I don't know robert downey's relationship as the brother to this whole family did kind of feel like his whole point in the family was to, and i don't mean in the movie but i mean like in a real family would be it was like comic relief because he wasn't able to fully when he wasn't fully able to be you know himself like his family didn't yeah. know a big side of his life yeah. so that was just the role that he filled because it it didn't it let him not be serious right. which is what i kind of took a lot of that yeah to be i feel like he acted like he was 18 until like he admitted that he had gotten married and it's like oh you're an adult man and then his husband calls oh, you're an adult man yeah his husband calls and all their friends are at their apartment and they're like having this lovely time and it's like well then why are you acting like such a child i don't know it was like grow up man but i guess maybe that's also part of the family is like you you play the role that you played when you were a kid and you have a hard time getting out of it mm-hmm. i don't know but so he jumps on her and is taking pictures up her shirt at like whatever three in the morning <laughs> and Leo Fish, played by Dylan McDermott, is just standing in the hallway. And, like, that's how... (laughs) And she's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm Leo Fish, as if someone would know who the hell Leo Fish is. Good play, though, on his part. Yeah. That's a great way to handle that question. (laughs) Yeah. And the dad comes out with a baseball bat, and he's like, no, 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 I'm with your son. And so there's all this confusion about everyone thought that they were together, and you don't find out mm-hmm. until later on that, no, they're just business associates. They're not, Leo Fish isn't gay. But you're still like, who is this guy? And why is he here? And I think the only reason that anyone tolerates him is maybe because their brother is so weird and does shit like this all the time. That's how I took it, yeah. And also because he's really attractive. And everyone's like, what's going on with this guy? Wouldn't it have been nice if when he said, I'm Leo Fish, just someone turned to someone else like, it's <laughs> can you can, believe can, can it? Can believe he's here? Wow, at 3 a.m. in our hallway. Yeah, it does seem like this family just does take a lot of goofy stuff happening, because especially that when the ant comes into play, oh like that's God. just kind of like all bets are off things. So yeah. maybe they just take life as it comes, I guess. Yeah. Because they aren't like a... They aren't like a stodgy family by any means. No. Because, I, I mean, even when Robert Downey Jr. is like forced out, they're not... No one's really off put or crazy. Mm-hmm. Take, I mean, they're kind of taken back a bit, but nobody's like, you know, the reactions of the time. Yeah, I guess I was what I was kind of expecting because this movie does have like some reactions to gay jokes and things in it that mm-hmm. were 
telling for what the time was probably like. Yeah. So I I wasn't expecting the family to be that uh, accepting Open. when that came out. But then they introduced the crazy aunt who's wearing uh, oh Fruit God. Loops necklace or yes, Fruit Loops on a string as a necklace. She has lamps all over her house and like what two hundred and twenty five plants. Sounds about right. And every time she leaves, she gives someone another lamp. And she told Holly Hunter that she won this one on The Price is Right, and now it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a weird aunt, and 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 I think that would be neat to have a weird aunt until yeah. I saw it in this movie, and I was like, oh, I think I'm pretty cool on not yeah. having a weird aunt. Oof. And then she Man, admits I to- I had two really weird aunts. Really? Oh, yeah. One who had- Like this kind of weird, like wearing Cheerio necklaces and things, or- Um, not- necessarily nuts although they both did die of like brain issues Mm -hmm. but just really neurotic Mm -hmm. and like judgy Mm -hmm. and you're just like where did you come from now do you think say you were say you were older and didn't have kids or whatever but your sister did and you were like Mm -hmm. the lone aunt do you think you'd ratchet up the crazy in that instance just to have fun messing with the kids maybe because i think i would i think i'd be the the crazy uncle but then when i'd leave i'd go back to completely normal and (laughs) like like literally i think i would yeah but this woman i don't think can do that yes she is nuts all the way around and you don't think either of your aunts were doing that at all, cultivating oh, no. a character? Oh, no, no, my gosh. My one would <laughs> hug me so hard, I would have to make sure I, I didn't have my arms in front of me because she would crush my arms against my chest oh. for a, for at least, like, if you count to 30, I mean, that's <laughs> at least that long. And she'd get her, her um, mouth right up to my ear, and I love you so much, Lammy, like really close to my ear. And I was like, how do I... I can't breathe, you know. I'm squirreling that away in my weird uncle bank for when I need to do like weird uncle things. <laughs> the other thing too, oh, 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 not it's Robert Downey Jr. didn't when he, uh, I think it was Robert Downey Jr. when they did the blessing or was uh-huh. it her that they sung the blessing? I have down here that someone sung the blessing and that I'm 100% stealing that as part of like well, a weird uncle. Well, the crazy aunt sang that, that poem. Oh, then that's what I'm, I, I'm thinking yeah. of. Yeah. And then they weren't sure if it was over because she just kind of stopped. <laughs> yeah, I have that down that I'm specifically stealing that as part of a weird Aww. uncle thing, singing the blessing. If someone brings like a date, you know, like a, a nephew or whatever brings mm-hmm. a date to a, a, a Thanksgiving. I mean, I don't do family but Thanksgiving. Are, do you but, know yeah. the tunes of blessings? Do I? Do no, you? <laughs> no, I would just make them up, obviously. Oh. This, oh, this would be an ad hoc thing. Okay. Yeah, I'd explain. You mean ad lib? Ad lib, ad hoc, whatever. Yeah. What's the difference? What's ad hoc? Ad hoc is like getting stuff together all over the place. Ad lib is more like making up words. Uh, yeah, no, let's go with ad lib. Okay. I'd 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 yes answer. It would be an improv exercise. <laughs> I'd find out what I'd find out what makes yes that... and what is craziest. <laughs> What's gonna make people. Most concerned for my mental health. I think that's, I mean, we both know I'm heading in that direction. Uh, This movie had also, I mean, it definitely had like a stance on love for sure, though. I mean, that was a centerpiece in it, not just the family, but that Holly Hunter's character had a kid with a guy and they never got married, but everybody thought they did. And I think she even one point yeah she said we weren't actually ever married but but everybody kept asking her if she had been divorced and she kind of would roll with it and even yeah. then other characters had some of the 
most heartbreaking lines mm-hmm. in this movie. I mean, not just about love, about everything, but like <laughs> that she had an ex-boyfriend who was a repairman who was in the oh, scene. Sad sack. Uh, yeah, and he <laughs> and he looked at her at the end. And, but um, he was supposed to be a comedian. Like, he was supposed to be comedic relief. Yeah, but what did he say? He says, I, I, I hope you have a nice life. life. Yeah. Like, knowing he would never see her again. I mean, that was heartbreaking. Um, no, I didn't take that. I took oh, that as I comedy. Took- uh, he's like really pouring on the pathos. Like, can you feel more and more bad for me? But he was. But I didn't think. See, I didn't think he was laying that on like feel bad for me. I uh, thought he was just listing what happened in his life and that nothing. Oh lord! Sister brother moved away. Parents mm-hmm. died. Like there was no one around. No one wanted for Thanksgiving. Yeah. I I, I don't know. I didn't. I we took that two different ways. Mm-hmm. I thought he was just listing stuff. <laughs> Who comes over to your house as a repairman? And just tells you all of this crap, like, and your parents specifically called him to see if maybe you two could get together. Like, come on. Well, for one, you know, I know most of the repairmen that do come over. So they usually do tell me some pretty heartbreaking stuff. But yes, I get what you're saying in this instance. If you see an ex in a casual setting, maybe you shouldn't and you wouldn't. My ex-boyfriend from college is an electrician. If my parents found out I was single and and called him to come over and do some weird light fixture thing, and then he announced all of the terrible things right in a row that had happened in his life, and then like stared at me, and then I was like, okay, bye, and he's like, have a nice life, I'd be like, okay, bye. <laughs> okay. I, again, I was kind of in a dip. I think I identified more with the repairman and you identified more with Holly Hunter in this scene. So maybe that's why yeah. we see it, you know, two different ways. There was also the, the one, okay, then this one, Sarah, was for sure heartbreaking. I don't think uh, I even identified with her. I, I was just an audience member. I think she genuinely did feel bad for him. Yeah. But I think as an audience member, you were supposed you were meant to, to laugh. The comedy in his ridiculous. I mean, that was his actual character's name was like sad sack, whatever. Like if you look it up on IMDb. That's his uh, credit on IMDb. Russell sad sack (laughs) Terziak. Like they call him sad Sad sack sack. Terziak, which is just fantastic. But he's played by one of my favorites, usually a more serious actor, David Straythorn, who was in... um, the second born movie, he was in Good Night and Good Luck. He's really great. Hmm. Going back to romantic comedies and how this was towing the line, kind of like it could have swung that interaction mm-hmm. from how you've described it and how it probably rightfully should have been taken mm-hmm. was romantic comedy esque. Yeah. Uh, then that absolutely was. When and that was a total setup. When they're walking down the street together and Robert Downey Jr. is the, uh, or they get out of the car and Robert Downey Jr. won't let him in or whatever. Uh, and that couple comes up in the BMW and is kind of asking her so, yeah, someone she was asking was her very... questions, asking her questions like about her being divorced or this or that. And she's obviously uncomfortable. And then uh, Dylan McDermott 
comes mm-hmm. up. And Which I keep wanting to say Dermot Mulroney. I 100% had to look at it when I just said that. Um, Dylan McDermott comes up and kind of like, I don't want to say save her because she's not damsel in distress, but comes up and assists her and just kind of like tells these people off, basically. You know, like that was yeah. also like a rom com moment. Very much so. Because it was funny. It, it just, was lighthearted. It was... Leo Fish, out of nowhere. I think what's so strange about it is that he just enters the family immediately. No one really is like questioning him except Holly Hunter. Who's just like, how long have you been here? 15 minutes, she says to him. And like, he's oddly intimate. But for does that being, maybe... For being someone who shows up at a random family's Thanksgiving, having never met any of them, he is really familiar. Like he makes himself very familiar in a way that's strange. Well, I mean, maybe that's just the type of people Robert Downey's Jr. Robert Downey Jr.'s character would be friends with is really out there people that would do that. And also, if Robert Downey Jr. in this family was a closeted gay man, he very well could have been bringing dates around for a very long time. Yeah, under kind of question. Yeah, well, under the guise of like we just don't talk about this, so maybe that's part of why yeah. the family it kind of rolls with it as well. No, I get but what you mean. I don't that he think comes it's less and, the family's reaction to him. Mm-hmm. I think it's his actions toward the family <laughs> and how he's just going Who's for it there he's like i'm gonna stand in the hall in the middle of the night between these two bedrooms well have you ever been in one of those awkward situations where you I get brought to a family i don't know i wouldn't go all the way upstairs and stand in the hall and then like immediately start like making jokes about the family that i've never met and mm. she calls him on and is like how long have you been here and then like just basically act like you've been there for years. Mm-hmm. It's like, who the fuck are you? See, you know what? I I have, I get what you're saying. I have learned, <clears throat> I have learned that there are two ways to handle awkward circumstances. You either back off the throttle or you mm-hmm. drop the snowplow and put the pedal down. And to me, that's what he's doing in this. Because with hmm. this family and Robert Downey Jr., he's going to be thrust into an awkward situation no matter what. Yeah. I mean, it's just going to happen. I mean, how badly does he want her? Apparently pretty badly. Yeah. He came to a, uh, he traveled all that way just right. off a picture. So that's the whole thing. We find out later that Robert Downey Jr. showed him a naked picture of his sister, which that again, opens up a lot of other questions. <laughs> what? Why are you taking naked? Why do you have a naked picture of your sister? Number one. Weren't you number one, two, the one earlier that said they aren't that comfortable with sex stuff because it's increasingly sounding like they are? Yeah, I guess so. Well, right. she doesn't sound like she was comfortable with it. She was pissed when he was like holding her down and taking pictures of her in her bed that was weird that was weird and so now he just has like random nude photos of his sister number one weird number two (laughs) showing them to his work colleague number three letting his work colleague come with him to meet her because of the naked pictures because he's so attracted to the naked picture he saw of her never met her doesn't know what she's like and number four, Robert Downey Jr. must think she's so desperate that he's going to bring this guy with him to family dinner. It's just, what? And then, and then he's so into her, he keeps going, he deals with her crazy aunt. She gives him a lamp. He, you know, defends her against her weird old high school friend. He then takes her over to her sister's to drop off the blouse that was ruined. And on the way home, 
stops at a white tower to get coffee so they can go on like a mini date or whatever. And he gives that whole weird spiel to the guy, to the counter worker who says we're closed. He's like, you don't know, man. You think there are all these girls out there. Well, I'm here to tell you the world's not like that. And I need this. And it's like, ooh, how desperate are you? If you look that good and you can't find a girl, mm-hmm. what's going on in your life? Yeah. Or what kind of a dude are you? But what you just described, <laughs> what you just described is a romantic comedy. I mean, the plot you just gave and the criticism you have yeah. of it yeah. in a lighter hearted movie. Yeah, in a lighter hearted movie. Yeah. We would be raving about this as a fantastic Thanksgiving romantic comedy. Yeah. Off of exactly the same thing you said, but kind of tilted know. on its head. I don't know. And, and instead, this movie what almost. If it was Ruffalo. Well, anything with Mark Ruffalo is fantastic. <laughs> you think he could pull it off? See, I don't think that it was the material. I think it was, con- and again, after listening to the director's commentary, I think Jodie Foster made a conscious decision to take it away from the direction yeah. of, of the romantic comedy elements in it. Because they are there and they're in the script. I mean, it, it's the script is a romantic comedy, it sounds like, for the most yeah. part. Except- I don't know. I feel like he's too flip. For how desperate he apparently is, mm-hmm. I feel like he's too flippant with the family. I think that's a couple lines changing and maybe adding, you know, maybe one scene of him getting to know the family for a minute or two. You know, yeah. I think that kind of takes that away. I don't think we're that 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 I far know. away. I don't, again, just listening to her director's commentary, it sounds like she made decisions during production that to take it towards a family, mm-hmm. maybe not drama, but of a, a somewhat serious look at a family as mm-hmm. opposed to a romantic comedy okay so you before i cut you off you're talking about another really heartbreaking scene oh yeah no another heart heartbreaking line just when we talk about how this movie does keep coming back to like love themes and just heartbreaking nature things the aunt or who the crazy aunt who Mm -hmm. admitted that she was in love with the dad and that at one Mm -hmm. point he had kissed her Mm -hmm. she said he made all my dreams come true for her yeah how that was heartbreaking for her sister yeah yeah but I mean, it's it's at and the she same. She basically watched them live the life that she wanted. The, yeah, but but I mean, at the I same time, I would drive time, anyone crazy. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, she didn't, as I recall in the scene, mean it in like a vicious bad way. No, I think she meant it in a she good just way. Said like it. I she got was very to wistful. see you. Yeah, yeah. I, but and then it, you know, it, you know, even more than that, they're talking about Robert Downey Jr. and how he wouldn't let them in and wouldn't let them like really get to know him and mm-hmm. love him for us and says you didn't want us to be close yeah or the dad trying to express his love you know Robert Downey Jr. comes out saying I think I mean this yeah. like in in regards to being happy for them getting married that felt like Archie Bunker growing up yeah that's to me <clears throat> definitely um, I'm trying to see uh, the dad talks about the happiest ten, he had the best moment in his life was 10 seconds long yeah. tops I mean, but because he, he had all the people he loved with mm-hmm. him doing... And you the, don't realize it until, you know, you are old and you look back on it. Obviously, the dad, I feel like, is kind of the sentimental center of the movie. And the mom is, you know, has this funny, weird relationship with Holly Hunter. And, and she and her brother are close. But what... I don't understand the sister's role exactly. She's... She never left town, which is, I think, typical of the oldest girl. Doesn't leave town. Married Steve Gutenberg. He's a super corporate bank dude. 
talking about how cash is king. I'm going to be very honest with you. I did not recognize that as Steve Gutenberg until you just said it. You didn't? No. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Good for Gutenberg. You still out there doing work. A A star. star. We We did. did. (laughs) We did. What do you mean? It was 1995. Wow. I genuinely did not recognize. Now that you said it, I see it. I guess yeah, I'm. Yeah, he just turned sixty. Well, in all fairness, I really only recognize Steve Gutenberg from like Short Circuit and Police Academy. So oh. like young Gutenberg. We're talking ten years prior. Mm. Okay. Well, either way, go ahead. So what's the point? So of the-, the sister is played by Cynthia Stevenson, and I was like, God, I know her. I know her face. <laughs> what the hell is she from? I had to look through her whole backlog hidden away in her IMDb, is that she was the mom in a show called Dead Like Me. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I've heard of it, but I don't know why. It was on Showtime. Okay. Girl dies. She becomes a reaper. They're the people who guide people to the afterlife. Mm. Her boss, it's kind of a corporate system, and her boss is played by Mandy Patinkin. No kidding. It's fabulous. And her mom is played by Cynthia Stevenson, really? who's dealing with the fallout of her daughter's death. She has another daughter at home, and the other daughter can see her. Mm. So she knows she's not dead, but the mom is like trying to deal with this kid who she thinks is delusional. And it's, it's so good. It's such a great show. And Mandy Patinkin is amazing. Yeah, well, yeah, that goes obviously. without saying. So she's the mom. So she obviously has gotten typecast as a mom, but she's really great in it. Good catch on that. How ma- how bad was that going to bug you if you couldn't so take it much. out? Oh my gosh, she was driving me nuts. Man, you're right. That is buried in her IMDb. Wow, yeah. she's done a lot. Yeah, she's in a ton of stuff. Yeah. But she is the uptight, homophobic very not happy with open sexual she was vicious i mean like really that like how i know people in boston how dare you as if like finding out that her brother is gay is gonna bother her friends in boston or something i guess i we i guess we just live in a different time and we around 95 we were too young to even realize that was like necessarily a thing yeah but that just as they were doing that it kind of i was almost i was taken aback for a second and being like oh yeah shit that was normal at one point for people to talk like that. Yeah. Like, that's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, I know. Well, and then she had an absolute, that, that girl went for the throat. Oh my gosh. When they, when so she, the yeah. big thing is that she got Robert Downey Jr. flicked the turkey onto her and then it hit her and, and smeared her whole thing. And then they tried to fix it. She ended up getting gravy on her head and she's just screaming. She can't find any humor in any of it. Very unhappy. Oh, and the dad's sitting there bitching because he got a tiny bit on his tie. Yeah, my tie. All right, that was <laughs> yeah, really funny. That was good. Uh, so later that night, they bring her leftovers over to her house. And, you know, that gives Holly Hunter the opportunity to, like, be like, what the hell's up, man? Like, are we okay? And clearly they're not. And it's just another, I don't well, understand. Well, Steve Gutenberg says, uh, you've done it. She's working out she's downstairs. Working out. Like she only yeah. does that when she's really, really upset. Yeah. yeah. And she says some really awful one-liners. Like she's working out and she's like, can you just let me be? This is one of the only things that I like doing in my life. And I'm like, oh, that felt true. Because I'm like doing laundry and washing dishes. And should I do all day? And I'm like, yeah, I get it. And then... She's like, if I saw you on the street, yeah, if you gave I've... me your number, 
I I wouldn't take it. I know I'd throw it away. I'd throw it away. Yeah, that was it's like, like. But why? Why is that necessary to say? She's like, we're family. We don't have to like each other. And she's like, lets her have it. Well, have you? The reason that really rang true to me and i don't pretend to be a particularly great person i hope <laughs> i grow to be one work in progress <laughs> i don't know if you've ever been in a like a an argument with someone that you just do not give a fuck about and you mm. are genuinely going for the throat throwing in those little things like that i've yeah. had it done to me and i have unfortunately done it to people it's that little knife twist that is saying you know i know that that last thing was enough Mm-hmm. Eh, fuck you. Like, I don't care. Yeah, I don't care about you at all. I, yeah. I throw your number out. I mm-hmm. I thought that, yeah. Ugh. I mean, so I guess that gets to what is this movie actually about? Yeah. Can you explain that to me? Because, because I feel like that's when it really, like, derailed into, okay, this isn't necessarily a rom-com. Mm-hmm. It didn't end up being a rom-com, for sure. It did? End no, up? it did not end up no, being a rom-com. it did not. Because that, I feel like, turned the movie toward a thesis of family as a group of strangers, kind of. Okay. It's like a a group of people, a group of, seems, as you get older, more and more like strangers who you feel obligated to spend the holidays with. And I think how the past connects you, but the present doesn't necessarily so you have all these obligations to the past that are living out in the present and and make it incredibly difficult to enjoy yourself (laughs) you know because i i feel like everybody was living in the past she remembers when she was a kid and, and her parents and her family her dad remembers how brave she was as a kid watching the planes fly over you know, her mom very much lives in the past and she and her brother are close, but no, no one else is. They don't have a relationship with their sister. And it's like they mm. all grew up together. Yet how, how can they be such different people now? And how can her sister say that she'd rather throw her number away? Mm. You know, how do you, how do you get here from when you were growing up? It, well, and you know what's funny, it, and we've we've talked about this just personally. Like, I identify with that part of thing because oh, I I do have a sister, mm-hmm. and we we don't we don't jive. We don't we were two different people, but same thing. Yeah. Like, and I can tell you, having spent a great amount of time analyzing the situation that I am in, which isn't the same, but it's the how do you get here from that? Mm-hmm. I can't fucking tell you. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's just one of those things that it it happens so slowly and over time mm-hmm. that. And so that does kind of make sense. What you're saying is the crux of the movie. And it, and it, I took some voice to text notes of Jodie Foster's uh, director's commentary while I was working. Mm-hmm. Can't make hide or tail of them because oh, voice no. to text is so bad. And I didn't check them at the time. <laughs> but she was a lot of what she was saying is kind of in line with what you're you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And and this idea that you know the dad talks about you know here is this. 10 seconds was the best moment of his life and the people that were with him didn't even necessarily realize it know it that it was a good moment much less the best of his life and that there's no way he could necessarily explain that to them and that sometimes you know that how do you really identify who Mm -hmm. is so yeah i I mean i think it's also 
the incredible difficulty of of parent-child relationships because being a parent, you have absolute control when they're little. Mm. And it's funny to be a parent of a seven-year-old and a one-year-old because the seven-year-old is constantly battling for freedom and the one-year-old just it's wants constantly to be, battling for the opposite yeah, of freedom. <laughs> to be held constantly. And you're like, how does this happen? She's already seven and she wants to get out of the house as fast as she can and wants to have a phone and wants to do her own thing. And yet you have to be there for them because they still want you too, mm. but only when they do and only on their terms. And then how do you keep... It's like you you have to learn your entire life to let go. It's like you have these kids who are 100% yours and you spend your entire life letting go of them. Mm-hmm. And how do you do that? And no wonder everyone's so neurotic. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, how do you have a healthy relationship with your child and not lose them by being too grabby or by being too distant, you know? And then how do they stay close to each other? You know, I think about cousins that I grew up with and spent all my time with, and I see them maybe once a year now. And it's like we were, you know, our parents are siblings. And it's crazy to think like Emma spends all her time with her cousins. Who knows what's going to happen when they're adults? Mm -hmm. You know, my dad's best friend was his cousin growing up, and he sees him like once every three years, maybe at the most and Mm -hmm. it's just amazing how in just the passage of time makes everything distant you know yeah it's like they kind of speak to that with those photos at the end that go through everything and just this idea that you can look back on photos of yourself and like who the hell was that person? Yeah. And I generally do look back at, you know, I've recounted on this too, stories from college and stories from things like that. I look at that person, I'm like, I don't believe that I did those things. Hmm. A lot of those things, like, I don't believe, I look at photos from when I did a study abroad in Thailand and I think that I wandered through through Bangkok mm-hmm. at 4 a.m. hammer drunk down an alley <laughs> or that I went to a orphanage in the middle of Cambodia. Yeah. And you know, those things, and you look at that and you're like, who is that person and who are those people that I was very, very good friends with for the most part, that mm. now I can't remember that guy's... I literally could not remember a guy's name from mm. a story that I used to tell constantly about that trip. Mm. You know? And it is it is just... So this movie, <laughs> what would you call it? So it's, Well, the other thing is... Okay, so it starts out rom-com, very much so in Chicago, and at the beginning with her family. Then it delves into this kind of family... Like deep dive into what family means and what memory is and the passage of time. But then we've still got Leo Fish hanging around who wants to be with her. <laughs> and he just won't goddamn leave. Yeah. And they try to hook up on the couch. It doesn't work. She she goes up to her room. He comes up to try to seal the deal. And she's like, I can't. You live too far away. I there's too much at stake. I don't even know you. And he walks away. And she shows up at the airport or she's at the airport and he shows she's up. In, no, she's in She's in the her plane. plane. Yeah. yeah. In the plane and he shows up and sits down across the aisle from her. And I feel like was that a dream? Is that he would... really there? Cuz it's such a strange thing to do and then he says, "Let's just not think about the future. Let's just sit here and have a nice 2 hours to sit silently together." And again, who the fuck are you? 
where did you come from? Why don't you, why are you not speaking? And it's like, I get it. You're having a nice quiet time together and not worrying about the future, but what, what does that mean? And that's how the movie ends. And then it cuts to all of these old memories and, and, you know, movies from the past. But where does Leo, was Leo Fish real? Was he real in that airplane? Wait, are you arguing that Leo Fish may not have been a character in like a real character through the whole movie? No, I wasn't arguing that, but now I wonder if he was. Because <laughs> that would explain away a lot of yeah. your problems with the, like, who's this guy that's here and wisecracking? Right. And doesn't really get introduced, but we're kind of okay with. Right. Is it a shared hallucination? I don't see. That's the thing. I I, I think he was in the airplane because there's no other point in the movie that sets a tone like that. Exactly. What it in- but it's the most open-ended it, like, it, thing. It feels to me... And if I hadn't watched the director's commentary, I'd still end up at this. It feels like a movie that partway through, they they switched what they wanted the point of it to be. And like they started with a romantic comedy and they filmed that and they're like, oh, I don't know. It's more about the family. Then they filmed the family and then they went... Oh, oh wait. wait! Oh shit! We don't actually have an ending. <laughs> yeah. Let's include that plane Families thing. Families are but... tough, and life is sad and fleeting. Yeah, but then why wait, don't we come Leo back? Leo Fish, ah, oh, get on the plane! Come on, you lovers. So it... they don't even ever get to do it. I think it would be funny if it ended with like, let's spend the next two hours like in the bathroom of the airplane or something. But it obviously ends on a much more nostalgic note. But I just don't quite understand. The open-endedness of... They didn't need to jump back to them for any... That added nothing. Right. That, that's what confused me more about the point of the movie, is yeah. that the ending was like... They was going very heavily towards that family thing. Then they cut back, and then yeah. they dive right back into the I think the it would have been fine if she had gotten into the plane, sat there, even if he showed up and then, like, disappeared, and you realized that it was her imagination. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. That but, would be. But and then it cut to the memories. But that makes more can, sense. Yeah. 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 So maybe so he we wasn't it. there, I guess. Yeah. So maybe he wasn't there, I guess. Maybe he wasn't. But there's nothing else in this movie that has a fantastical tone. Why would the last moment have this? All right. So if you do we we need to actually dive into just some of the rom com elements because it because it, it has it, it does have a meet cute. Yeah. It has um, a meet cute. You could, As a soundtrack. You could argue that the city played a role in it in that it worked it was just best like as like a, a very, Rust Belt. Yeah. But like a downtrodden, it had to be a downtrodden Rust Belt, yeah, whatever. Yeah, post... Um, Industrial. Yeah. Post-heavy industry. Post-communistic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of East Coast feeling old city. Mm-hmm. And it had a precocious, well, not maybe not precocious. The ch- the kid was just an asshole. Yeah, she was annoying. She wasn't precocious. Never mind. Um, her sassy side friend kind of could have been her daughter. daughter. Yeah. yeah, it did have at times a lightheartedness to yeah, it. Absolutely, at times. absolutely started out light. Yeah, and then um, she has an interesting job as an art restorer. Mm-hmm. Did have an interesting, but she job. gave up her apparently her artistic dreams because her mom says you should be an artist you should go back to it you know talk about settling and it had physical comedy lots of physical comedy comedy. 
And there was, like, the romance was a focal point at times. Mm-hmm. It had lots of real-world advice. It had a shit ton of real-world advice. Yeah. And in directly relation to love and relationships. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. um, how lasting was, those can be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, it switched from, it had probably, like, what, 10 minutes where they where it was, like, them very romantic mm-hmm. it had like 10 minutes of that yeah and then that was about it for the in the movie kind of seemed like he it was finally shows that his cards yeah says that he likes it yeah i mean so if you were going to give this a number as a romantic <laughs> comedy what would it be it's like a four i'm maybe a three yeah i'm like a three or a four because it's really you take out that romantic the romantic element of it the end, you know, the ending him on the plane or them going mm-hmm. around and almost making it like and it doesn't not, change the mood. It I doesn't guess change the point of the movie. It's kind of a grand gesture that he shows up on the plane. Oh, damn right. That's a grand gesture. But he doesn't fall through with it. He doesn't follow through with it about like, I love you and I want to make this work and we can be together. It's more like, let's just enjoy this two hours and space out together and drink orange juice. And it's like, well, all right, yeah, movie ending. <laughs> so it definitely wasn't a romantic comedy. It was but a it... mediocre gesture. <laughs> <laughs> it was grand how mediocre it was a gesture. that gesture. Would you even call this a Thanksgiving movie, though? Absolutely. Well, let me no, let me postulate yeah. something. No, let me postulate something. <laughs> say that. Say that exact same story. Okay, every exact every exact same element. Only the reason they're home together for a meal is that an uncle they haven't seen in years died and they're home for no. a funeral. Mm-hmm. You don't think, I think they could make, no. I think they could have that same thing no, and have the same the meal movie. is really important. That it is, th- no, I'm yeah. saying then you can have and a meal he, after a funeral. And dad complains about, and now we're going to do Christmas again in a month, which I have felt like that before. It's like, <laughs> do we have to do Christmas every year? Can we do it every other year? You know, are we going to really do this all over again in a month? Okay, so it is a Thanksgiving movie yes. in your book. And you know why else it's a Thanksgiving movie? Because the title is Home for the Holidays. And I would argue that Home for the Holidays isn't actually a Thanksgiving song. Because every time someone says the word pumpkin pie around this time of year, I think, oh, there's no place like home for the holidays. For no matter how far away you roam, if you want to be happy in a million years. Then he says... Um, I met a man who lived in Tennessee, and he was headed for Pennsylvania and some homemade pumpkin pie. And I'm like, it's Thanksgiving. It's a Thanksgiving song, and everyone's traveling. And Thanksgiving is the holiday that people travel more for than than Christmas. You got me then. Thanksgiving so, movie. It's a Thanksgiving movie. Can I postulate something about this Thanksgiving movie? You can movie, cut though? a lot of that singing, by the way. <laughs> no, it's you have a delightful singing voice, and I probably won't. Uh, no. no, but as I was watching this, again, it 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 felt to me like it had a lot of uh, uh, places in it that I I was going. This could have been a very culty, revered movie it was almost there in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways and maybe it was partially because it. and there are according to users on imdb there are a lot of people who love this movie oh okay good good roger ebert gave it a 3.5 out of 4 really yeah well here here's the thing that i i kind of was wondering as i was watching it tell me if to you this doesn't make it a better a better family kind of dissection or arty type movie All right. make it as i was watching i was like this could be like a clerks type thing in that make it black and white 
limit some of the mm. music a little bit more and and that's pretty much it the dialogue's already pretty like kevin smithy kind of a little snappy <laughs> not as not as dirty but like kind of yeah. snappy and i was watching i was just looking at it and going i wonder what that would really kind of do to what this movie how it stands if she knew what she was doing from the beginning mm-hmm. it i think could have been like what you're saying yeah but it was a hybrid of two things that didn't quite neither of them were fully formed mm. but it was interesting no and i and again we said in the beginning it's worth watching it mm-hmm. is good and it's not like it's not like you walk away feeling bad and like downtrodden necessarily mm. it's just mm. yeah. it it there's a lot of things you look at it there and are you a lot of st- truth bombs that you're like oh yeah <laughs> i may not have been ready for that exactly yeah but i'd suggest if people haven't seen it Watch it. Maybe not. Maybe watch for holidays. it in a in a group setting or with another person. Don't watch it by yourself, <laughs> right before Thanksgiving, because all of a sudden you'll be like, "What is life? What am I doing? It's here? fleeting, and it's not great most of the time." But you'll always look back on things with more fondness than how they really felt at the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Now you've made me sad. Yeah. Oh, that's another question for you. And maybe you answer when you said people traveling. There's a lot more Christmas romantic comedies oh, yeah. than Thanksgiving. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Well, because Christmas is a time of arrival and excitingness and <sighs> snow. Uh, Christmas, I feel like, okay, these are in, in, in olden, olden, olden times. Thanksgiving was a celebration of the harvest. It was the end of the season. It's a celebration of the finishing of things. Christmas is a season of waiting, awakening, renewal, exciting, welcoming in winter, mm-hmm. welcoming in the solstice, welcoming Christ if you're Christian, you know, and it's a time of hope in the darkest time of year. So I think there's way more romance to that. Whereas Thanksgiving is much more circumspect, more reflective, more looking back on the harvest and everything you've done to get there. That's more family and reflection, you know? Leave it to you to have an actual good answer to that question. (laughs) This is why I have a master's degree in English. And this is why I like when you tell me what these movies are about. Because, I mean, I just... I'm, I just watch them for what's in front of my I face. I had zero notes on me. this. I wrote all my notes like within five minutes of us. I, it just, I don't know. The more we talk, I'm an extrovert. So the more we talk, the more ideas flow and I figure it out. Okay, Sarah. Um, if someone wants to email us or look at the Instagram, would you like to tell them where to do? Email uh, is mail at romcomcom.com. And Instagram is romcomcom, D-O-T-com. And any likes, any comments, we're happy to to go with you. One rate, review, help us out. Rate, review, subscribe, anything on iTunes or wherever podcasts are sold to you. Uh, We greatly appreciate that and it helps us out. And I would also like to thank This Is My Suitcase, as always, for letting us use their song uh, Love off the album The Keys to Cat Heaven as our intro and outro song. yeah, just listen to him. Good, good Columbus band. Good Columbus artist. Local. Yeah, <laughs> do local. Okay, well, that's about all I got. All right. All right. Thanks I've, for listening. Yeah, I have fun, Sarah. Me too. <laughs>